Hey everyone and welcome to You'll Probably Agree. Today we're talking about the big hitter Dune. With me is Sujiwa Ekanayake from the Secret Society for Slow Romance and the Ninja Werewolf Philosopher, an underground filmmaker from New York and seriously one of the sweetest human beings I know. As well as another human being who is just as sweet, and I actually mean that, is John Davies from Cinema Obscura, where you can find his content on Can TV or on Vimeo. He gets movies from all across the globe, ranging from all different sorts of material. And if you want to ever contact either of them, you can reach them on social media in the description of the video. Alright, having said that, uh, please excuse my hair for ruining part of the recording. Because as I was doing the recording, I needed, I wasn't in a room that had good sound with me because I was at work. So my hair just kept brushing up against the microphone and I didn't notice it until later. And I went, oh no, I put that lob on me and I should have put my hair back. But, oh well, it, you don't, stuff happens. Anyways, I'm going to stop rambling and I'm going to let you enjoy the show. Bye bye. Hey, everybody, and welcome to You'll Probably Agree. And uh, hey, guess what came out today? <laughs> or was it yesterday now? Yeah, dude. Yesterday. Yeah, not, not the uh, David Lynch version, which as David Lynch uh, has described it, you died the death. And the death you shall die. But this one is, in my opinion, a um, miraculous achievement where... Dune should work as a television series, and they did do one, I think, in 2003 with the Sci-Fi Channel uh, yes. with William Hurt. Yeah. Yeah, that was, was actually pretty good. The Dune uh, 2000 and then the Dune uh, Children of Dune follow-up. Pretty solid yeah. for the time, actually. No, no, no match for Lynch's Dune. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, so this is like the first time I've seen like a filmmaker really tackle the material where, because the thing was, I didn't see the sci-fi movie because I, I, I get, I'll be honest, I'm a snob. I get thrown off by, you know, budgeted special effects. Oh, yeah. And so, it's, it's like, it's like three or four miniseries. It's a lot of time. Like they take their time with it. They do drag out some stuff, but they do tell the complete, well, as much of the complete story as you can. Yeah. And yeah, then, that was that was what's good about the uh, sci-fi channel stuff they get they yeah. had more time to get into things yep well the nice thing about television is is the writer's medium and you know doing is a book maybe a writer so you're able to cover all of that material uh with the villa new film that we're talking about that movie does something very unique with this structure and it was something that i you i think denis Villeneuve might start to have a Christopher Nolan like following where he will be like the Messiah for some people until he makes a stinker like tenant, you know, <laughs> but with this film, I really enjoyed the methodical pace to it. I know that there's been a point of criticism where a lot of people have said that it's sort of emotionally uh, dry, like a desert. But considering they had a two and a half hour movie to, yeah, which is part one, it literally says part one on the screen and Warner Brothers has all but confirmed that there's going to be a part two. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, I, they pretty much have uh, 
kind of confirmed that because they're also doing a, um, a prequel series on the Bennett Jesuit who is played absolutely phenomenally by Charlotte Rampling in this film. Um, th this one, though, I really enjoyed. Th this one made me get it when I watched Dune. You know, this one made me get why people really like this book. Have you uh, read the book? No, I've never read the book. Good book. Yeah, yeah well, that's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I uh, never read the book, so I came in fresh. I felt like if I read the book before I saw the movie, I would probably not like the movie, you know, because I'm going, where's this? Where's that? Where, you know, just like any time you read a book to see the movie. But here, you, the nice thing about this film is that it kind of lets you fill in the blanks. They'll explain a little bit about something, but it'll either, either be like when they're doing the sand walk, it was through like the instructional video that Timothy Chalamet, uh, who plays Paul Atreides, is watching in it. Or if there's a, a sort of political exchange, we'll actually just see the exchange go down rather than people talking about it. And the thing that really made this Dune work for me more than the other one are two things. One, it doesn't feel like an exposition dump, although it kind of is, but it doesn't feel like one. And the other thing was the, the original is very, I don't know if the 80s was the right time to make that movie because it, it, it just feels silly. Like I was watching the three hour cut last night. I saw about like 48 minutes of it. And even then I'm just like, it, this is like a YouTube fan edit, by the way, that's on there. It's like take, take like all the scenes that were aired on television that weren't in the movie and they put it together with everything else. And even then with everything that's explained to me, I got more confused the more they try to explain and here they're doing less. And because they're doing less, like, yeah, I'm not emotionally gripped on everyone, but I care enough to see where it goes. And if I'm correct, and this isn't a spoiler, this is an old book here. Uh, Frank Herbert said that basically Paul Atreides ends up creating a war and becoming a tyrant because most like how most other leaders do, you know, they, they leaders are human beings who make mistakes. And when human beings make mistakes, they have a following of people who do that. And that leads to, you know, immeasurable consequences. So as I saw this movie, I'm, I want to see where that part of the story comes in, but I mean, cinematically it is just, I don't think you could ask for anything more. And really for, for an adaptation, like maybe if you're not feeling everything that might have to do more with the material than it does with the movie, I'm not sure. But I feel like uh, this is an exciting step. And I'm very, I mean, I was a huge fan of Blade Runner 2049 and uh, I'm a big fan of this. Uh, what do you guys think? <laughs> What's the other guy's name? Oh, John. this is Hi. John. Hey, John, Davies. how's it going? So, so let me introduce you guys. I should have done that. But uh, we I got some Kiwa. Yeah. Hey guys, exposition. I'm, I'm great. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving my own exposition right now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I got Sajiwa Ekanayake from the Secret Society of Slow Romance. Yeah, uh, I got I got a little little poster on the back. Makes helps me read it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh I think you're in are you in post-production now or are you finished? The no, movie? I'm sending it out to festivals, uh setting up distribution and uh Getting some reviews in, got two positive reviews, and oh, a nice. couple, couple more on the way. There, there you go, man. There you go. Get that. Setting up release, setting up, setting up release for next year. 
Nice. And then uh, we have John Davies from Cinema oh, Obscura. Let, let me say one thing. In yeah. all the film festivals and art house theaters of the known universe. Oh, that's, the known universe. This one right. and uh, the one in Dune. Right. <laughs> that's that's the phrase they use in the in the in the Dune world. The uh, <laughs> emperor of the known universe. Yeah. And it's a good thing I have you guys both on here because I'm not entirely familiar with the material beyond the you know the two movies four film yeah the two movies or technically three uh but john davies you he runs a place you run a place called uh, cinema obscura they basically uh you want to talk a little bit about that i think people like send you well i know what they do they send you sure. like movies from everywhere all over the world oh, and you put yeah, it on I mean, tv yeah, initially we started as a group to get uh, independent filmmakers together and know about each other, specifically in Chicago, because awesome. that's where I am. Um, but yeah, now we've morphed, you know, in the in the after times. That was the before times. <laughs> in the after times, now we're lucky enough to have a television show on public access here in uh, Chicago. Uh, Can TV lets us get a get away with an hour of independent film every week, which is pretty awesome. Monday nights at 11 p.m. on their channel 19. Um, and really yeah, it's good. just a, it's a, yeah, it's a collection of uh, independent film from all over the world, you know, mostly Chicago stuff, but, you know, we do have stuff from Indonesia, Canada, Mexico, Australia, uh, Iceland, uh, where else, Norway, um, we're, 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 we're worldwide. It's pretty awesome. That's great. Excellent. So now that we got into that, I know, John, what you thought of doing, we, we were talking last night and we were both just kind of over the floor about it. Mm -hmm. Sijiwa, as, a, as one of the men who uh, bravely defends the uh, David Lynch film, and you know, there's, there's certainly some good parts in it. Mm -hmm. uh, what was your take on Dune 2021? So the, uh, <laughs> got it. So the three items, the book, the Lynch movie and the uh, Villeneuve uh, movie from 2021 are three very different things. And uh, I'll leave the sci-fi shows out because of the budget and the format, because TV, long form TV, they can do different things. It's its, its own thing. But um, the books are amazing. They cover their books. They cover lots of things and in great detail. So. When you translate that into a movie, I think the best you can get is try to capture the feeling that you get from the book. Feelings, you know. Mm -hmm. So Dune uh, is like this rich tapestry, magical, bizarre, violent, and, uh, you know, takes place in the future. So all that kind of stuff, uh, experience-wise, came to me better through Lynch's Dune. And it's, uh, you know, one single story, uh, one single movie, two, three hours, depending on the cut. So the bizarre, futuristic, otherworldly, magical quality of it came through to me better in Lynch's Dune. In, uh, in DV's, uh, uh, you know, new movie, it's a modern, really well done sci-fi, action movie but uh i feel like it's missing a lot of the magic that that uh lynch's dune had but i think this new one is going to be popular and it's probably going to launch in a whole bunch of shows 
uh, movies, and uh, yeah, they all work differently. Uh, I, I enjoyed the new one. I thought it was, uh, well, I was disappointed that the script didn't really go into any new places, hardly ever. The script felt like it was right out of David Lynch's uh, Dune, but done differently. Um, I would have, it would have been interesting if he had told the story in a completely different way, uh, you know, using the book, but not using David Lynch's script or David Lynch's movie. That, those are my general thoughts, but uh, yeah, technically it's a really well done, well acted movie, this new one. Yeah, John, what do you think? Well, I agree with him on a lot of points. And I'm also a huge fan of the Lynch version. You know, I'm, I'm 47, so I grew up watching that one. And I just, you know, I kind of had my hopes up with this because, you know, Denny Villeneuve, I, I murdered his name, my bad. Denny Villeneuve, uh, it's, it's, it's <laughs> okay, I did the same thing. I, the, I the amazing like director. Yeah, I call him yeah. DV. Yeah, <laughs> but he, the amazing director, like has such a, a solid track record up in this point. I had my hopes up and he nailed him at every step. It was, it was solid. You know, and the, the one thing I do have to say about Lynch's Dune is that he, he did what he does with all of his movies and he just hits the gas pedal and he just gets you from one insane scene in Dune specifically to the next insane scene. And it's just rapid fire, bam, bam, bam. And you have no time. If you, if you come in dry, if you don't know the story, obviously if you know the books, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, this is cool, you know, I get it. I know what's going on. Um, but if you go in dry, like that movie is just like way over your head, especially if you're not really paying attention to the introduction, the, the, the you know, seven, eight minute introduction in the beginning of that movie. If you're not paying attention to that, you have no idea what's going on with the houses or the time traveling or the, I mean, the space traveling, you know, what is happening with that. And, you know, this movie, you know, slows down the pace. I'm glad that they split it into two halves. They, it slows it down to where it makes so much more sense. And, you know, it's like, what is a hunter seeker? Like that scene in specifically jumps out at me in Lynch's Dune. It's like, that's like, it's a five minute sequence, but you're rapid, you're so fast into the next one. And this, this movie is like, okay, yeah. Like it's also a five minute sequence, but it's, it's like, they, you know, they kind of explain it a little bit more. And they do that throughout the entire movie. They just explain stuff a little bit more and let stuff sink in instead of just have craziness after craziness after craziness happen, which, you know, I love in the original Dune. Yeah, well, that's the thing with the original, like you see the original, like this whole intro just goes on for, this is three and a half minutes of information. And, and that's, like the short, after, that's the short one. Yeah, yeah that's the short <laughs> there's, one. There's, there's, the long, there's a long version of that. I've which explains it. it more and makes the rest of the movie make so much more sense, but they don't need that with this one. You know, this one just takes it, takes its time. And I was know, thinking, let, uh, I was thinking ideally Dune would be uh, like an HBO miniseries or a series with like five seasons. And the first two and a half seasons should just be the lead up to Paul's life uh, covering that universe because there's so much going on. Yeah. right before Paul comes into the stage that he's reacting to that, uh, you know, someone who's going in cold just has no idea, like John said. Now, that's what I was curious about. Like, when you read the book, like, at what point do these movies happen? You know, right. is there like a whole backstory to Paul before we get to him learning yeah. how to do the voice with his mother and all that? There's a whole lot of stuff. And John could add to this. Uh, there's the Mentads, human computers, 
<clears throat> there's why uh, spice is needed for space travel. There's the, the jihad against the robots. There is uh, the Bene Gesserit order, what they've been doing for thousands of years. There's like thousands of years of history before Paul becomes uh, born. And uh, the point of Paul is he's the, he's the result of a generations long uh, breeding program that kind of went off course. And he kind of became, you know, came into being earlier than he, than, you know, the Bene Gesserists, uh, who, who, however you pronounce their name, uh, expected. So this creates a big problem for all the forces in the universe, as you saw in Lynch's uh, Lynch's Dune, right, John? Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So that that clears it up a little bit because everyone's saying, "Oh, this is in the book. That's in the book." I'm like, "How?" Well, first off, the book it's like a Bible, isn't it? Isn't it like a thousand? Page? Well, there are yeah. multiple multiple books. There's a lot of books. The story that they're telling right now is one book, but yeah, there's there's a huge story around. It's kind of like Star Wars or Game of Thrones. Like, there's a lot going on in this universe, and we we're just seeing like the eye of the needle, basically. Mm-hmm. We're, is, we're 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 uh, seeing one simple story from the first book, yeah. that, but the book is so huge it has hours and hours of material that would be in a film if it was literally to be translated. You know, you definitely need to set up this universe through at least a couple of hours of uh, storytelling for the film medium. Yeah, and I think that's the, the thing is, as you said, it, it, it felt like it was retelling the David Lynch film, but stylistically, it was much different. Yeah. It was more brooding. Um, it wasn't quite as funny. It was like, more simplified. It was more simplified. Yeah. And also, on the downside, it felt less sensual, less romantic, less magical. Yeah. Yeah, because even with half of the story, you still ha- kind of have to rush through it a little bit. Like, there's a lot of information in this first in this first book or the first glimpse that we're getting into Dune through Denny's work. And yeah, this I mean, this easily could have been a four hour first half, you know, <laughs> easily. Yeah, this is like that, the that this is like the sl- with the studio. Right. <laughs> no, no, this is, no that, it would work. Yeah, it would work as a Netflix show or an HBO show or an Amazon yeah. show. Yeah. And the thing is, they don't have that kind of budget in their television to really make it shine. Because the whole idea of Dune is sort of the spectacle. And this movie yep. is cinematic, uh, emotional manipulation and spectacle. And cinema is about emotional manipulation. If you want something like facts, you know, go to a go read a New York Times article. Go to a uh, library. Yeah, go to a library. <laughs> like the one, uh, the Bene Jesuit tests... Uh, um, pest, test pollen, you know, maybe some lady can hold like a little needle up to your neck. Uh, but you know, the thing is like when I'm watching this, I think there's like a lot of heart in the Lynch version that maybe isn't here. Like it, it feels so sort of like brooding and serious that mm-hmm. you, you feel like you're almost like, I could see how with some people they feel like watching paint dry. Uh, with me, yeah. I I love movies with atmosphere. You know that that's sort of like my my vice. Everyone has their vice. Like Roger Ebert loved movies about diversity, which is probably the best vice you could have. And uh, you know, I I know guys who I, I know a guy who loves Ridley Scott. I know uh, 
Uh, Johnny Lang, who comes on this show a lot, he is obsessed with David Lynch, utterly obsessed. It's, since uh, you mentioned Ridley Scott, can you imagine if Denis got a chance to make an Alien film? Can you imagine how amazing that would have been and how much of a letdown covenant now is that you look back on it? Like we got yeah. that instead of this guy's version of an Alien film? Like that, imagine, like it, yeah. Covenant was lacking everything that Dune had. Like that, that movie was just one dude on a planet doing stuff by himself. Like who cares? Seriously. Like if, if it had just a tiny little bit of stuff from <laughs> this dude's imagination in the alien universe. Oh my goodness. But I anyway, think, I think it all depends on the script. Denis, mm -hmm. Denis Villeneuve is. Uh, it does. But I, now, now. Go ahead. Did he cut off? Oh, I think we lost John. I think he got uh, sucked up in the sand. That's worm. right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So um, I'll 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 say what I was going to say, which is, uh, Denis Villeneuve is a very stylistic, competent director, but I think his best movie I saw was uh, Arrival. And I'm, he, oh, I'm back. I'm back. Okay, I don't good. know what happened. Mine, yeah, we yeah, lost my, you for a second. My internet's tripping. Sorry. Okay. Anyway, as I was saying, I think uh, Denis Villeneuve is a very competent and very stylistic director. The best movie I saw from him was Arrival, and that was that was based on a book, and mm -hmm. uh, that really had both the sci-fi awe and also the humanistic, you know, the real world human element. Yeah, in, I feel the same, same way about. I feel the same way about Annihilation. Just everything that he's made has been fantastic. Everything. <laughs> Yeah, Mr. I, all of it, all of it, yeah. everything that he's everything that he's laid his hands on. So the fact that he didn't get an alien movie is it's like blowing my mind that they didn't give him a chance. I think I, uh, think... I think this dude, <clears throat> I think this dude would be better, would have been better with a better script. Mm, I mean, I think they did with what they could for two and a half hours. Oh no, they could have done a whole lot more. This yes, this this script, this movie basically reenacts Lynch's movie, but does it a little bit better visually yeah well I, I i'm wondering like how would it what would you replace in the script if you had two and a half hours what what, what would you say we could do this and focus on this instead of that with the story i would uh well i mean if i were making this movie yeah. i would make it completely from the fremen perspective i would make mm. stillgar yeah. yeah. stillgar the leader He's fighting against the Harkonnens, not winning. Then this other, this kid comes from the outside world who yeah. belongs to the aristocracy of that universe. And he says, all right, if I can win with my own team, we're gonna recruit this boy into our, our jihad. And uh, that the case could be made that uh, both Stilgar and uh, Paul are using each other for their own you know, political ends just as Paul is using the Fremen for his politics. Yeah. Now that would be an interesting angle to go because the, the one thing that it's hard for me to embrace at this film is that, you know, the main character is this white kid from royalty. And when I'm watching that, I'm like, you know, this isn't really compelling drama, but I guess that's the book. So, you know, whatever, I'll go with it. <laughs> And in that aspect of wars, but yeah, if, if we could have seen the Fremen's perspective, I hope I'd say, yeah, 
because like that would have been very interesting that would have been very interesting but 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 this uh, natives of the land rather than i just hope that the only thing that bothers me is like i think when we were texting about this i'm like yeah like he's the white savior which i guess it was written like that in the book but i was still just kind of we don't even know if if white identity or any racial identity exists in the in this the story takes place in ten thousand years in the future john do you recall if these people are white in the book no they've just always been adapted as such i don't yeah yeah. If so that's sad, the, they could have the cast someone other than like someone who looks like me because like it's just like I just have flashbacks of Avatar when I think of that. Yeah, in the future they could have non-white looking people in the lead roles, but because of the economics and politics and audience preferences of our time, we yeah. have white leads. But uh, white identity doesn't really exist in the future, no, nor does black identity in the. Uh, as far as I recall in the Dune books. That, those are 20th century politics. Yeah, exactly. Because these guys, as you said, they're how many years in the future are they? Like thousands? 10,000. 10,000. Wow. 8,000 years from now. And we're not, yeah, well, they're no longer on Earth because uh, <laughs> right. we're, we're dead now. <laughs> we got 50 years left and that's it. Well, uh, Earth, Earth is not really a big deal, although yeah. some of the ideas in the Dune we, universe came from it. Yeah, we've, but, we've been destroyed by Cylons. That happened a long time ago that's at right. this point. <laughs> but on the, on the flip side, in Earth history, we do have uh, people from the ruling class becoming revolutionaries and it's succeeding. Moses and on a nonviolent level, the Buddha. What does that sound? We're good? Yeah, we're yeah, all right. right. <laughs> Some sort of a water sound. All right. I thought I thought, some, I thought there was a marching band in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, the uh, yes, it's it, also this is kind of based on Lawrence of Arabia, which who was a white soldier who went yeah. into the during World War One. Yeah, World uh, War II? was it? I think it was World War One. World yeah. War One. Who organized some of the Arab uh, tribes into helping the British fight the Germans or something wow. like that. So there's it's based on real world stuff to to some degree. Yeah, well, there was a lot of political and religious implications, which I was watching an interview with Frank Herbert, and he said like it's not really tied to any party or viewpoint, but his mm-hmm. his point was is that you know leaders make mistakes, and when they make mistakes, everyone feels the repercussions of that. Uh, yeah, that a lot was, of people die. Yeah, a lot of people die. And the thing is, is that, and that's true. There are plenty of great leaders who have done things that maybe morally aren't the greatest decisions, but you know they get remembered for that rather than the good that they've done. Uh, and I think that's sort of the point of do. I hope that's part two. I really hope. Like, what did he? What did he mean by like he's gonna become? Because I know like uh, Paul had flashes in the film where he was saying i'm leading people to war and oh my god there's death everywhere when he's in the tent with his mom and he's crying are we gonna see that in part two probably not probably not i think that's too much i think that's after part two uh what he was talking about is uh paul becomes a godlike figure and uh, his uh, movement becomes a big jihad where the fremen and other aristides forces spread out through the galaxy I don't know who they're killing. Who are they killing, John? Do you recall? No, I don't remember. You got me on that one. Yeah, but it becomes uh, after the main story, after Paul comes into power, it becomes a big problem for the rest of the universe for 
thousands of years. Oh, so that's is that Children of Dune or is that part Children of Dune? Of Dune the God yeah. Emperor of Dune, all that stuff. Yeah. But so that ends that ends after one point, and uh, I think Paul does. Paul become the become a sandworm, or was it is it one of his sons? It was. I think it was. Well, the way that they ended it, and I didn't read the book, so I'm going what they did in the series. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of his sons ended up becoming Arrakis. Yeah. And, and was a sentient, a sentient planet and went throughout the universe to heal it. Whoa. No, uh, I think prior to that, one of his sons becomes a, uh, takes, a, you know, turns into a sandworm. Body, oh, wow. you know, with the mind of the, with the body, with the head and mind of the human, uh, but he grows a sandworm body. God Emperor oh, of awesome. Dune. God Emperor of Dune. These, this is all fascinating. These are all fascinating things that I'm guessing HBO might set up if they're doing the Bene Gesserit series and they already, yeah, like they're setting up a whole franchise, yeah, which yeah. I mean, that's a smart way to go. Hopefully they don't handle it the way they did DC. Um, I don't think they would. I mean, one thing I liked about this film is that it's basically the antithesis of something like a Disney film. And I love I love the Marvel movies. You know, I'm, I'm uh, I, I'm, this is better. Yeah. Cause this is a singular vision from someone who, where you couldn't get that with a Disney movie. You have to follow the blueprints of what the style is. The movie has to be shot this way and it has to be edited this way. And it has to have these kind of jokes here. You're seeing a fan's vision of Dune. Like this is like a Dune fan film. It seems like but in the best possible way. I mean, the, some of the shots in this movie is fantastic. I, the, the one scene that I absolutely love, I want to pull up the clip, but uh, I won't for copyright reasons. Uh, and, and, just... and, and also, uh, this is real people. <laughs> they, can, they can die. In Marvel movies, those, those, those characters don't die. No, they they're they're around forever and ever. I, yeah. I oh God, I am going to put my hands over my head when they bring... <laughs> Cat, Iron, uh, Man. Iron Man back to life. Yeah, when yeah. Iron Man comes, I'm going to be like, why? He was dead. He came out. He went out in an honorable way. Leave him dead. You know, <laughs> leave him at peace, as but they would comic say. comic book characters, they have to live forever. Exactly. It's a franchise. Franchise it, as Michael Keaton said in the, in the founder. That McDonald's movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, so, so, so this being real people uh, who can die, makes it a different type of a story different type of sci-fi there's higher stakes involved i would say because mm -hmm. yeah. you don't know who's gonna get killed like you figure paul's gonna live throughout the whole thing and i'm gonna guess the second movie will be paul reclaiming the kingdom after it's been yeah. taken over by the house harkonnen if people yeah. are like, oh spoiler it's just like dude it's a 40 year old 50 year old book i don't know how much like, it's like on. a it's like a 60-year-old book and a 40-year-old movie. And you, you can't spoil a movie that hasn't been made yet, so we're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, but you saw the full Lynch movie, right, right, Mike? Oh, yeah. I've seen it okay. two times, maybe three times. Not I enough. Three times. So, yeah. so I, think, I, think the TV, I think the new movies will just tell that story. That's what it looks yeah. like. That, yeah, I think I so, agree. too. It, it tells it, but it, this movie is a prime example of when of how style and tone works 
mm -hmm. know, because the, the Lynch film feels kind of like funny and it kind of has that twin peaky hokey feeling maybe because Agent Dale Cooper played by, by mm -hmm. Kyle McLaughlin plays Paul Atreides in it. But also like it just kind of like when you had people like holding like little pug dogs and yeah. I have yeah, trouble yeah. buying um, uh, Jean-Luc Picard as uh, what was Josh Brolin's role in that movie as Gurney. Basically, yeah, as Gurney. Gurney as this I thought great he did a good warrior. job. I, th I, th I think he did a good job. Well, I love Picard I mean, in that role. I love him in that role. Yeah, I love Picard is always a good actor, so yeah. he'll bring I, anything to life. I love Patrick Stewart. Uh, I just felt like this guy wouldn't win in a fight. He he's like he doesn't have any muscle on him. Where you see Josh Brolin, you're yeah. like, yeah, that guy would definitely teach uh Paul what to do. And here's the thing I got with this movie. I actually got who was who and what was what. I'm like. Oh, that's yeah. who that. Is. Oh, oh, that's who that is. It's simplified We're, in the in the new version, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's just it's just, a, it's, yeah. it's just a little bit slower. They take their time and they explain stuff and let they let the yeah. last scene sink in. I mean, like I said earlier, that Lynch version is fantastic, but it's just one insane season or one in, insane scene after another. Yeah, you know, th through the lens of his eye, and it's just like, okay, there's a bunch of crazy stuff. You know, people being weird just to be weird. So, like, I get it; it's a lynched movie, but it was it was way over <laughs> right. the top in a lot of ways that could have yeah. been brought back to earth. But that's you know, that's a lot of the charm of that movie is how crazy it is. Yeah, that's why I like that mm -hmm. one as more overall as a better experience that mm -hmm. relates to Dune. But this new movie, you could introduce it to someone who's never read the book. And they can yeah. stick with it, and it and it's a more of a modern style, that's uh, kind of like slow cinema, but you know realism and sci-fi mixed in with the good acting that makes sense to most people. It's slow cinema. If slow cinema was kind of like shot in the most gorgeous, amazing way possible, you know, a lot where, of slow I mean, cinema is like that. I don't think you've seen enough to see. Probably because, not. Uh, yeah, a lot of <laughs> like like. Uh, Norte, The End of History by Lab Diaz. It's an eight hour long movie, beautifully shot in color. Wow. Incredible. It's a retelling of a crime and punishment. Uh, when I have eight hours to spare, <laughs> I have, uh... I'll send you. I'll send you a trailer. <laughs> you'll, you'll keep asking me, have you seen it yet? I'll be like, no. <laughs> I'll send you a trailer. But, the trailer's but, two and a half hours long, so. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. Denny Villeneuve. <laughs> Denny Villeneuve essentially makes sci-fi slow cinema. Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to sum them up. Is but, it, but with a lot of great up, skill. Yeah, the, the one thing I had with Arrival that kind of annoyed me was that movie was really reliant on news beats. It was like, oh, and then going on today, the aliens are back. I'm like, dude, I just want to see the characters. Stop cutting to the news. That's lazy. But, I yeah, think but it, it brought in the wider world into the story. Also, yeah. that might be a device in the book. I, I didn't know the book. It was all about language too, so it had to bring in the rest of the world. Sure. They had sure. they had to do that. That makes uh, sense. Yeah. Well, it makes yeah. I mean, I had seen it again. I mean, also when I initially saw it, that was back in my drinking days. <laughs> so I didn't yeah, I was, remember much of it. Dram dramatically, I was riveted. That was a great. That was a great movie. Uh, it was. Uh, I would say, compared to Lynch's Dune and Denis Villeneuve's Dune and the and Arrival. I would go with Arrival for cinematic, dramatic experience, but mm. Denis Villeneuve's Dune for just overall sci-fi, space action, simple story that you can really get into. 
And the sound design, I got to talk a little bit about the sound design in that movie. Uh, this is a film you have to see in a theater. If, the new you know, one? Yeah. Because, I mean, Han, this is the most Hans has ever zimmered in the Hans. <laughs> I, knew you were gonna, I knew you were going to say that. That's awesome. The, the, music was, the music was great. The music was great. Uh, it's so I've been listening to it like nonstop in my car. I keep playing the track Leaving Kaladin, like mm -hmm. whenever I'm just going anywhere. It, it, it's this is because Hans Zimmer always wanted to play this uh, or uh, compose this film. And you could tell, I mean, they put in everything. They put in uh, like how many instruments you have chanters, bag, bagpipes, bro. Bagpipes. That's right. <laughs> it's like bagpipes. They came out of nowhere in the first half a second. You're like, what are they doing? And then, you know, 7.75 seconds into it, you're like, yes. Yeah, and they're and they're also bringing in throat <laughs> singers, yep. and I mean, my favorite my favorite shot in that whole movie is when the Ben and Jesuit is taking off in her ship, and then they kick up the chanters going, da, 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 da. and then like the fucking like right when they're done, you just hear like a big boom sound, the ship takes off. I'm just like, yeah. fuck, I just came after I saw that. <laughs> Listen, was uh, was Timothy Chalamet the best choice for the lead? You know, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I, don't, Timothy, I don't think so. I think he did okay. I don't. I think. I think they could have used someone else. I. I'm. I'm partially there with you. I feel like Timothy Chalamet. He is a lot like Ryan Gosling in Blade Runner 2049, where he serves the exact purpose of the script. Like mm -hmm. uh, Agent K. Spoilers. Uh, he is a replicant. So who play who better to play an emotionless replicant than Ryan Gosling? <laughs> you know, uh, Timothy Chalamet is Paul Trace. Paul is a man who is wiser beyond everyone. And Timothy Chalamet went to NYU and Columbia University in real life. And if you see him in any interview, he sounds a million times smarter than the common uh, twenty-five-year-old kid, and even way before that. Um, so and, for and maybe that, maybe in uh, the second part. When Paul becomes Paul, you know, Paul becomes that's, the leader. That's what I'm thinking. Like, we're literally yeah. going to see him grow up on Transform. stage bet yeah. between the two movies, and it will be a huge transformation, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. probably, probably, yeah. <clears throat> and maybe, of... maybe, maybe not, nothing like anything Chalamet's done before. Because, I mean, it's that first scene with him, he's just, he's just so boyish, and you just have that, that scene with you the whole movie, and you're just like, this is just a tiny little kid. It's like, yeah, cool. He, you know, he stares down the Benny Jesuit, Jesuit witch when he's got his hand in the box and like he makes a couple of cool looks and like, okay, maybe he's growing up a little bit, but next movie, fast forward, two steps in the desert, we're going to see a different dude, I think. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he kills a man at the end of this first yep. one. And yeah, yeah, after that, he's a, he's, he's a grown up. Yeah. <laughs> he's a big boy now. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing with film criticism. You have to kill a film critic to become, uh, to get into the ranks. <laughs> Mike, oh, is, the right, Mike, yeah. Mike is almost there. <laughs> I'm, oh man! I mean, I have I, I know one critic we all hate that we love collectively kill, uh, but uh, soon, but, soon the initiation ritual is coming, Mike. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have like the low, I won't have the shields, but we'll have the blade. I wonder no, how many you have to you have to fight using you have to fight using pens. <laughs> we had to fight using pens with our wait where is my there it is pens yeah. and laptops I'll, I'll kill them with my rotten tomatoes thing i'll be there like come go. here your words suck <laughs> yeah. but no the the uh, <laughs> but 
I mean, I have to say, I, I know I probably like this movie more than I should because there are clear flaws, but I can like look past them just because yeah, it's I, a well done movie. Hard to argue with. It's a how can you complain when a movie's this well directed? And this and unique, I, I think we like it, like I think we like it more than we should because we were extremely disappointed by nine hours of Disney sci-fi mm -hmm. extremely mm -hmm. recently. So we were all looking forward to this and we're like, oh man, it's gonna be awesome. And yeah. I mean, it, it is awesome. It is. <laughs> yeah. It is awesome. It, it is different and the same because we've all, you know, we've seen the Lynch version. Some of us know the story, blah, blah, blah. But And the Lynch version was so long ago, the technology and Lynch style is maybe not the best for the modern world. For this. Oh, yeah. 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 Like when they're dated. using the shields, they look like, it looks like something from Tron. You know, they have like yep. these, these, they're like blocks. And when I was watching the fan version, I'm like, all right, did somebody adjust it or was it really that bad? No, it was like, that uh, bad. Yeah. I, I can't fault them for it. I like know, the that, blocks. No. That's the cool thing, cool thing about the, was, the, cool was thing about to... the Lynch scene, uh, Lynch movie. There are some unique touches that are so Lynch. And so yeah. that movie, they're enjoyable. The blocks are great. It's like they're fighting in jello. Or what was the talking gigantic vagina mouth in the beginning oh, yeah, of that's, the film? That's the guild navigator, guild navigator. <laughs> yeah, the, and he had the blue eyes, like the-, yeah. the um, He used to be a human thousands the Freemans, of years ago. The Fremens, yeah. Yeah, he used to, he consumed the spice to help navigate. See, this is the nerdy details you miss when you don't read the book. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm not literate. No, I just... <laughs> read the book. I, I, I spent my in, time it, reading three books about Donald Trump instead. <laughs> listen, when you end up in jail for killing a film critic uh, as a part of an <laughs> initiation ritual, oh, there you go. Yeah. Read all the Dune books. That, they'll never catch me. I'm in the film industry. I know how to make. I know how to make it look like an accident. No, no, <laughs> you gotta you gotta spend time in jail to be considered a real film film critic. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> I don't think I know any critics who've gone to jail yet. No, everyone's I, everyone's done it. All the big ones have done it. They've killed a critic and they spent well, some time in jail for it. I have been in handcuffs before, so. Good. <laughs> cool. um, Film criticism is a life in front. <laughs> it is. We're, we're as Werner Herzog said, we are pirates. We steal the loot. That's you know, right. That's so how do. about Javier Bardem? I thought he did a great job. He was probably outside of Charlotte Rampling. He was pro uh, uh, he was probably my favorite performance. <laughs> like you really bought him as a native. Of it. I didn't even know it was him initially. What do you think? What do you think, John? Did you like him? I love the cast all throughout. Honestly, it was a lot of big name people and a lot of people that you. I honestly am kind of sick of seeing, but the way <laughs> that they were dispersed throughout, it was pretty. It was pretty yeah. solid. Oscar you know, Isaac's an amazing actor, but he's like in everything, you know? Yeah, yeah. Javier Bardem really sunk into the role and you could, with the other people, you could be like, oh yeah, it's this movie star acting as this character. I thought Javier Bardem's character, Stilgar, he did it really well. He really sunk into the role and that could be a separate show. We could just have yeah. a Stilgar show. Well, and no, I'm he, really excited he, to see him grow with Paul in the part two also. Like he's got, he's he's so much more prevalent in the second part. And it's, mm -hmm. we were just teased with him in this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, they're gonna ride the uh, sandworm together. I didn't notice till the second <laughs> time I saw it, someone was riding a sandworm at the end of the film. I'm like, oh, they did do that. Uh, so that, that, as Denis Villeneuve said, this is an appetizer for part mm -hmm. two. So part two is like <laughs> when like shit's gonna hit the fan probably, hopefully. 
I mean, it kind of did uh, the second half of the movie, but yeah. Well, the 1950s, 60s, when the movie was written, when the book was written, was a different time period. But it's funny that they used the sandworm, which is very phallic, it's like giant penises in the sand. That's how you show that strength. It's a big, big energy. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I, so I would like I would like to see a, you know sort of a sexual un uh, criticism, you know, sort of a sexual unpacking of this uh, of the story that was written in the fifties or sixties. Bring on the spice orgies! That's right. I heard something about <laughs> spice orgies. And the like, underlying sexual meanings of of the story. We'll never get that in a PG thirteen film. But yeah, I, oh, if there was, have to write something. I'm sure someone will write something. Yeah. If there were two weak links in the cast, I would probably, and it's not their performance as much as I just like recognize them all the time, was <laughs> Jason Momoa, just playing Jason Momoa again. Like, hey, bro, how's it going? Yeah, I'm your love. But I get it. He's a likable uncle. He's fun yeah. to be around. Well, I get that. But still, like, couldn't you have someone other than Aqua, bro? You know, also, and, I, I thought Duke Lido was not that great. I thought it was okay, but not that great. Yeah, yeah it was okay. I mean, Oscar Isaac's been on so many sets that, you know, I have to say, though, um, uh, Stellan Skarsgård, they, they oh, made yeah. him work. It was good. It was I good. was like, shouldn't they cast a fat actor? But then I'm like, wouldn't that be fat shaming? I mean, I can do that now. I lost 65 pounds. <laughs> uh, that's, but, what the, that's what the character is. It's not that shaming. It's just a weird story from way back when. He's, um, he was, uh, I think he was punished with gluttony or something like that. And he raped like one of the people in Atreides or something like that, if I'm correct. I don't recall. But, uh, okay, but, uh, I read it wrong then. And he's, I definitely, he's definitely the bad guy. Uh, but uh, he did, uh, but they showed him, they brought him to life really well, I thought. Yeah, and he was sort of a callback to uh, Colonel Kurtz from uh, Apocalypse Now. You know, he's doing the thing where he's rubbing his head and he's going like this, although they put that on everyone. But like immediately, like I just saw images of Marlon Brando, uh, not just because of the weight thing, but uh, because of how he was carrying himself and how they were framing him. I'm like, oh, that's Colonel Kurtz. You know, that's well, what those, those, scene, those scenes in particular were making me think that if we were to hand keys to a star wars film to this guy he would knock it out of the park like Absolutely. i don't know i don't i honestly don't know what happened with those last three that fell out of disney's pooper um but if they gave it to somebody that was competent and they you know told a solid story with the style that this guy has holy cannoli <laughs> like, I, th I think i think dennis villeneuve would be too serious <sighs> too serious for star wars Good. Star Wars, I see as like action comedy. I mean, based on the first first three movies, except I think, for Empire. Uh, yeah. Empire is dark, or so. Also, uh, some jokes, the Mandalorian yeah. can be a little bit dark, mm -hmm. but yeah. but maybe a different series. Maybe a different series. Yeah, it could be like Darth Maul. <laughs> maybe maybe the stories of uh, Darth Vader. Uh, yeah. Didn't we explore him? No, 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 no. In between the Luke Skywalker stories. Yeah, him, like when he just spends 20 off. years of regrets. <laughs> no, no, no. Him going off and conquering the universe for the Emperor. That's kind, that kind of a dark story. I think, I think Villeneuve could do well. That would work. Put that down, Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, him and, um, you know, and one thing was like when he kept having the dreams about, I don't know Zendaya's character's name, but I'm just like, that's Zendaya. Oh. I couldn't get that out of my head. Yeah. 
You know who would work really well for Dune for the remake five years from now would be would be would be uh, Guillermo del Toro because uh, he goes into symbolic imagery. Oh man! And mystical yeah. and mystical feelings really well. That's what's missing from uh, Denis Villeneuve's movie, and that's what we got a shade of from Lynch's movie, but in Lynch's own weird way. But imagine a, a Dune done by Guillermo del Toro, who really will push up the, the symbolism, the imagery, the mythology that's in the story. Let him get his hands on the Benny Jesuit. That's cool. right. Something, something with the magic, something, oh my goodness, the darkness and the, that's... Oh. Yeah, and, and the dreams, yeah. the thousand-year beauty program, <laughs> yeah. the sandworm, all the, also the religion of the Fremen. That stuff is really not not explored uh, in the movies yet. No, not yet. So we vote for uh, ben, uh, Guillermo del Toro for the mm. next student director. I'll second that. Yeah. So uh, I think I've kind of said everything I wanted to about this movie. That and I really need to go to the bathroom. And so uh, <laughs> I mean, I probably shouldn't leave that in the show, but I'm going to because I'm professional. Um, Your show. Yeah, exactly, man. My, it's my, this is my gig, baby. Uh, but uh, John, guys. I'll see you. I'll see you in Chicago. I hope to play facets with the new movie. Oh, oh that'd be fantastic. That'd be great. My my, yeah. pre, my previous movie played at facets. Where can we teach a philosopher? Can we uh, ride a sandworm together? Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> naked, naked, preferably. No, yeah. <laughs> that now that's some HDC huge dick energy. <laughs> uh, so guys, thank you so much. Uh Denis Villeneuve's Dune, I think it's three recommendations, and yeah. uh it yes. could definitely use a little more heart, but I think we'll get there. Um, magic. Yeah, a little more magic. Uh guys, thank you so much for coming on. Check out Sajiwa Ekaniake from the Secret Society of blah, 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 blah. from the Secret Society of Slow Romance. Or slow romance. Yeah, of four slow romance. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. And I'm reading it right there and I screwed it up. It's romantic. <laughs> uh, and uh, check out uh, Cinema Obscura on Can TV. And of course, you want to. yeah, please if you do. want to check out all my stuff, please go to ypareviews.com. Let the money flow and have the sequels come in. Long live the fighters. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that was great. Guys, right, thank you, you guys. so much. Nice oh, yeah, that was great. To... Good to meet you.